When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Looking to build wealth beyond the stock market? Gain access to alternative investment opportunities once reserved for the ultra-wealthy with Yield Street. Build a diversified portfolio with investments such as real estate, art, commercial finance, and other alternatives typically with low stock market correlation and targeting annual yields of up to 15%. Yield Street investment minimums start at $1,000. Head to YieldStreet.com to join over 275,000 members and create your account today. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or throws it, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Makita was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Odyssey Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawoski. No more! Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Chelios in overtime! Part of Blue Wire Podcast. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the Tames! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day! Rolling back, Sobel and Drives, get the front score! The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Play the center for Tames, he's got to break away! Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Simpson Law Group. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me as always is the one and only Jay Zawoski of the I'm Fat Podcast of Odyssey of WBBM. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting <laughs> some more for the Chicago Blackhawks to name their general manager. They still haven't technically done it yet, but reports are out this evening that it will indeed be Kyle Davidson shedding the interim tag and remaining as the full-time boss of the Chicago Blackhawks. There you go. There's your new GM, Kyle Davidson. I think Frank Saravelli was the first to report it. And then a bunch of other people fell in line behind him. So here's how tonight's show is going to work. This is going to be a shorter show because the expectation is that the full announcement will be made on Tuesday. And then we'll be able to have everything we need to have um, in terms of structure and who's in charge of what and any sort of assistance or anything like that. Um, We'll be able to sort of break down as well. So this will be kind of a one segment, maybe 20, 25 minute quick reaction show. And then look for a full length podcast on Tuesday night. So... First of all, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you're following us on all of our social medias at MadhousePod on Twitter, Madhouse underscore pod on Instagram, and 
Madhouse Hockey Pod on Facebook. We've got our T Public Shop, all that good stuff. Check all that out. Link in bio, as they say in the old country. Um, so you know, we knew that Kyle Davidson was one of the three finalists, and I've been a favorite the whole time, honestly. Yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of fine with it. It's, it's probably not the most exciting move in the world. It's not earth shattering. I'm not jumping off up and down off my chair. I, I just kind of like, okay, let's see what he can do. And and here's what I'll say. I feel like based on what we know about him so far, he seems to know what the Blackhawks need and what they, and what they don't. There, there's two things about him that stand out to me. Um, number one, when he was assistant GM, he negotiated the contracts for Dylan Strom and Dominic Kubelik two contracts that at the time were looked at very favorably from people outside the organization. Like, wow, those are two very fair deals for two pretty good players. Now Kubelik has had a down year. Dylan Strom has been inconsistent, but at the time everyone's like, wow, those are two pretty impressive contracts. The other thing I've liked about Davidson since he's taken over a little bit is his patience. He has not been rushing up prospects. I think maybe Stan Bowman probably would have had Lucas Reichel up here on a full-time basis by now. I like that he has shown some patience with some prospects. I like that as well. Now that he's in full space command, I'm really interested to see how aggressive he'll be at the deadline, um, how much he thinks this team needs, how far away they are from winning. And I'm sure there'll be some sort of press conference where he discusses those very things. Yeah, and I'm sure he's going to lay out his vision to the media and to fans in the same way that he ultimately had to do it to uh, Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner. I think that they, in every single interview, certainly asked the candidates what they kind of envisioned the next five years were going to look like from the Chicago Blackhawks, and they did so both from an on-ice perspective because this team very clearly needs to do some retooling, needs to do some rebuilding, whatever you know, phrase you're going to end up using for it. I know we've uh, argued semantics a lot on this show based on what the Blackhawks have told us that the team needs over the years. So that's, of course, going to be a very important part of it. But he also is going to have to lay out some of the off-ice things that they were going to change about the culture. That undoubtedly was a big part of the equation. It's why they reached outside of the organization in several of these interviews and even outside the sport of hockey as well, at least in one of the instances. So I'm going to be fascinated to see, uh, A, what kind of questions he's going to get about that, and B, whether he uh, is prepared to answer them or if he thinks they should be left in the past. Oh, sorry, that was a Rocky Wirtz diss. Oh, you know, Delete that later. <laughs> um, and then I think that part of it, to me, raises one of several questions that I'm sure Blackhawk fans are going to, and NHL fans in general, are going to have about this. And I think it's a good place to kind of jump off into a discussion. And that's simply this. How is a person who has been with the Blackhawks organization for the better part of a decade, how does that represent the culture change that you and I have both very vigorously argued on this podcast needs to happen if he's been in the building through all of this. And I'm, of course, not saying that he had direct knowledge with the Kyle Beach situation or anything like that. But I do think it's fair to ask a person who's been in the building for a dozen years or however long it's been, is he the type of guy that is going to be able to enact those types of culture changes that uh, you and I have kind of pushed for. I think that's a fair question. I'm interested to kind of hear what your take is on that and how you think he'll uh, potentially address that in the uh, presser tomorrow. It's absolutely a fair question, but let me say this. And and 
uh, if I was to, you know, back in my days at the 670, the score, if I was to replace Mitch Rosen, I would not run the organization the same way Mitch Rosen did. It doesn't mean that him and I are, you know, diametrically opposed in our views of how radio should be or how a manager should function, but we're different people with different beliefs, with different, you know what I mean? Like, even though you work in the same building for the same company, it doesn't necessarily mean you have the same values in the same, I guess you would say action towards incidents <laughs> for, for lack of a, you know what I mean? Like maybe Mitch would have fired someone when I wouldn't have or vice versa. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's little differences in people. And I think sometimes we get stuck in the, well, you work for the Blackhawks or you are this person or you work for this company. So you believe this, um, it, it I think that's a little bit dangerous. Um, so it's not a concern for me. It should definitely come up because I want to hear specifically from Kyle Davidson about that. Because to me, that remains the biggest story with the Blackhawks right now is yeah. the culture thing. And I think as much as Rocky Words, who you just joked about, wanted to push that in the back burner, he made it come up again by acting the way he did. That yeah. drew their culture into question once again. So for me, the new leader, the new face of the organization, Kyle Davidson, needs to answer that question flat out. But I'm what I'm saying is it's not a concern. I don't think because he worked for the Hawks when bad things happened that bad things will continue to happen because he's the GM. Well, I just more so meant like the culture change and kind of the top to bottom evaluation of what oh, they need to change sure. from a uh, hockey and an off-ice perspective. You wonder if perhaps the um, outside view of that would have been a little bit more I hate to use the word palatable because then it kind of suggests that this is just simply a matter of taste and tolerance and blah, blah, blah. But would the fresh set of eyes in this instance have been preferable? And why does Kyle Davidson and why do Jamie Faulkner and Danny Wirtz think that um, him being somebody who was in the building, uh, is that going to be something that they can overcome and he can still make the changes that are necessary? I think, and like I said, I'm not saying that he had you know, any knowledge of any of the Kyle Beach stuff. I'm not saying that he's, you know, in any way responsible for any of those cultural issues that kind of have uh, percolated around the franchise. I'm just saying that, you know, that is definitely a fair question that he's going to have to answer. And I'm going to be fascinated to see what he ultimately says about it. I want to hear that. The other thing I want to hear from him is something definitive about where the Blackhawks are now. Does he believe he can keep going the Stan Bowman route and piecemeal this thing and add veterans to complement the young players as they develop and sort of develop and, and plug in on the fly, or is it time for a full-blown rebuild? And if he got this job, I would assume that Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner asked him that question sure. and got a very definitive answer and agreed with that answer, right? You would think that if they made the hire, they said, yep, we're on the same page. This is the way to get the next great Blackhawks team. Kyle, you share the same vision that we do. Therefore, you're our guy. I want to hear that plan. I don't know if you can detail it in great detail. Like, here is our plan from draft to championship, right? Right. But what's the plan at the deadline? What's the plan in free agency? What's the plan at the draft? I want to hear that whole thing. Like, what is your three, six, nine plan? Right. And that, right. that to me is the number one question I would have for Kyle Davidson. And I'm confident that he has a pretty good thing, a pretty good thought in mind on that. 
my stance on that would be that I think he's not going to say anything that would project an air of desperation in any way because I know that other teams will potentially feast on that and they're going to say, oh, well, you want to offload veterans. Well, we could use veterans, but we're not going to you know, potentially play ball too much on some of these longer-term assets that we have. I know that that's going to be a very limited uh, thing for leverage purposes because teams are going to need these guys no matter what they end up saying, no matter what Kyle Davidson ends up kind of laying the plan out. But I also would not be surprised if he maybe played at least a little bit coy with it, said that they're listening on uh, veterans. They're going to say that, you know, they're not planning to add this season, which indicates that they've given up on the playoff hunt. I would not be surprised if he said that. But then if he plays a little bit coy and says, we'll listen on some of these longer term guys, but we need to still have discussions about, you know, future assets and guys that we think are going to be here the next time the Blackhawks are going to be competitive. I think he'll play maybe semi-coy, I guess I would call it, and I'm not going to be angry if he does because I think that there there is a bit of an advantage to you know kind of playing things close to the chest when it comes to those guys, but I think he can be kind of more forthright in some other areas too. Sure, but if you're you know if you're talking about trading you know someone like Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane, um, or God, I hope not, but Alex DeBrinkit. I don't think you want to advertise that those guys are available, right? Right. That's something you want to keep to yourself. I think there's no secret that Marc-Andre Fleury is available. There's no secret that Calvin DeHaan and Ryan Carpenter are available. Those guys have expiring contracts and they're, you know, they're just perfect trade bait. Sure. Um, but you're right. I think keeping those cards close to your vest is, is a smart idea when it comes to those higher profile guys with term left on their deals. I'm just fascinated to hear where he thinks this team is right now because yeah. we have seen over the last couple weeks like well Jekyll and Hyde which is not something different for the Hawks this year but we've seen them play really good games and then come out losing by four goals like <laughs> right. they just don't have any offense that's if Kane and DeBrinkit are not scoring then no one is scoring I guess I'll throw Hagel in there too if those three guys are not scoring on a regular basis then the Hawks aren't winning and that that's the biggest problem. Like, sure, you know, you're giving up a lot of goals, but it's because you're just constantly behind, you right. know, like you, you can't score at five on five. You'll have a good first period where you're, you know, maybe winning the possession battle, putting more shots on goal, but you're still down one, nothing two nothing at the end of the period because you just can't convert on anything. And then right. you're playing chase your tail the whole game. You're taking chances defensively, and then you're giving up four or five goals a game. So um, I'm just really curious to see what his thought is on the future of this team. And I think as we look at it, as, as we've evaluated it, James, throughout the year, we're sort of coming to the realization that the only way out of this is is kind of a full-blown rebuild. And you could do that with Alex Dabrinkit, and you could probably do that with Seth Jones on your team. But I don't know. Like At some point, you've got to recoup some of these draft picks, and you've got to take some chances, right? And, and hope you can strike gold on a prospect you really like. Yeah. Well, and I'm also, I, I think aside from the on ice stuff, which I think is, you know, we could talk ourselves in circles all day, what we think he's going to say, what he should say. I'm also a little bit curious and I'm not sure how deeply, I'm not sure if Danny Wirtz is going to be involved in the press conference. I would assume he's going to be in some way. I would be curious to know why they felt they needed to cast the net outside, not just of uh, the Blackhawks, of course, but also outside of the sport of hockey. I'm very 
curious to see why they decided they needed to do that, what they maybe learned from that. I'm not going to ask him to get into, you know, the nitty gritty of every single interview that he did. But when you have Jeff Greenberg of the Cubs, who was a finalist for this job, Mm -hmm. I'm really curious to know how he got so close to getting the position and what they kind of learned from that experience. I'm genuinely curious about that. And I think it would be fascinating to kind of hear them address that kind of interview process and how they kind of churn through some of these names. I'm hoping that Danny is there too. And Jamie is there too, to answer questions. I hope Rocky is not. <laughs> just Oof, so that'd can, be something. So we can actually get some things answered. Um, Cause I am, I'm very curious of the process as well. And, uh, you know, I, I think that you and I have talked about it as we've been waiting for this to happen. It's n- never a bad idea to pick brains, right? To get as no. many opinions as you can and say, hey, you know, uh, Jeff D- Jeff uh, Greenberg, w- what's hockey doing wrong? Like, what is missing? Like, w- you know, wh- why is hockey so behind the other sports in terms of analysis and those sort of things? And, and, and see what they have to say. And look, he obviously said something impressive enough to be one of the three finalists. But as I was preparing for this podcast, I was sort of reading back on some of the things that our buddies at the athletic have written. And a lot of people from day one just assumed that Davidson was the guy right away. And and the rest of it was just kind of a dog and pony show. Um, But that's also sort of insulting to the people you're interviewing and telling them they're finalists. And aside from Peter Chiarelli, I would have been pretty pleased with any of the people they hired, even if it had been Jeff Greenberg, I would have been excited about a different kind of mind on the hockey side of things. And, and, you know, while Davidson's been in the organization for a long time, he's still pretty inexperienced when it comes to like running a team. And I think with him and with Greenberg, I'm interested to see if there's some sort of a veteran hockey guy brought in to help guide a little bit. And I sometimes I think that can be overblown, but I think having someone that's run a draft before and prepared a free agency board and those sort of things. I know that uh, Davidson and Norm McIver were pretty close. Now McIver is with the Kraken. I think he kind of left on not great terms. So him coming back is probably not the uh, not very likely, but someone like that who's been in the game for a long time that can kind of be a right-hand man to Davidson is not a bad idea. And we should mention Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet reporting that Brian Campbell, who has been a player development coach for the last few years, is expected to have a pretty big role in the hockey ops department here. And I'm hoping that's one of the things that gets revealed and detailed uh, on Tuesday. Do you think there's any possibility that any of the big three that the Blackhawks kind of use to advise them in this process, uh, Sharposa and Olchek, do you think any of them potentially are being looked at for front office roles too? It's a good question. I, I can't imagine that Eddie would take an assistant GM job. No, I think the only job he would take is president of hockey ops. And unless the Blackhawks do a complete about face on that, it doesn't sound like they're going in the direction where that position would exist and would be filled by him. Right. And like you said, they said pretty much from day one, they said, I think it was a town hall. It was a town hall where Danny yeah, said, yeah, they said that the GM was going to effectively be the president. Yeah. Right. So they, for accountability purposes. And I like that. Because then you can't say, well, he's the president. He told me to make that trade. Well, you're, you know, now the buck stops with the GM, and I like that. That to me, yeah. and look, all you're doing 
if you were to if you if he does hire an assistant GM, it's the same thing. Davidson is basically the president of hockey operations or whatever you want to call it. And then the assistant GM is, the, you know what I mean? It's all just a matter of ranking it. What matters is Davidson's the guy at the top. But do Marion Hosa and Patrick Sharp have management in there on the radar? Maybe. But if you're bringing in a first-time GM, I find it hard to believe you're going to make his assistant another first-time GM. You know, sure. maybe though. Wait, what if if it was Jeff Greenberg? That wouldn't shock me. I'm genuinely curious to see if he ends up playing a part in all this. And it it would be if they paired Davidson and Greenberg, it would certainly illustrate that they are not just looking to go outside the box, but to really go outside the box and not just in the corporate parlance sense of the term. Well, the question is though, he's already assistant GM of the Cubs. You have to assume that's a higher paying job, but I don't have to assume anything when it <laughs> comes to, you know, baseball yeah, and but, hockey. Good point. But if Jeff Greenberg j- is just wanting to get into hockey and wants to work in hockey, this is his foot in the door. So we'll see. I, all this will be revealed on Tuesday. I'm really looking forward to hearing what uh, everybody has to say. I won't. I don't know if the press conference will be Tuesday, um, but we should have a pretty, you know, full scope of who's doing what where in the organization on Tuesday. So there's nothing official on that front, but from everything that we have heard, there is uh, plans for a press conference on Tuesday. Yeah. So that's exciting. I'm excited about it, man. I'm excited for the next era of Hawks hockey to begin um, with definitive leadership. And I, I have to say like, based on what I've seen from the response on Twitter, which, you know, it's it's Twitter. You can't really judge everything from it. But it seems mostly positive. People are like, all right, I would have liked to seen, you know, Darsh or whoever uh, get the job. But, okay, I'm down with this. Let's see, you know, let's see what Kyle Davidson can do. So Hawks fans are open-minded and, uh, you know, I wouldn't say optimistic, but um, cautiously optimistic. So let's see. Let's put him in full command. Let's see how he does at the deadline. And more importantly, let's see how he does at the press conference and laying out his vision for the future. Because uh, it does seem like, just hearing him speak, it, it, he's he seems pretty definitive in what he believes. And now that that interim tag is gone, I think he'll be able to speak more freely. And I'm also curious, does Derek King finish the year as head coach? I, I mean, I can't imagine a scenario where he doesn't. I think that they would um, probably wait to see who becomes available to interview at the end of the regular season whether that's existing head coaches or assistants with other organizations I would get the sense that unless their guy is kind of floating around in free agency right now I mean I I would get the sense that they would probably still just stay the course and let him finish the year yeah it's going to be interesting to see man by the way want to make sure everybody knows the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Fry the Coop and frythecoop.com Go get the best Nashville hot chicken you've ever had in your life. That includes anywhere in Nashville. I've been to all of them. Fry the Coop is better. I'm saying it, and not just because they're sponsors. I stand by it. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, Tinley Park, and coming soon to Darien. So if you're in the Chicagoland area, and I would bet if you're listening to this podcast, you are, there is a Fry the Coop near you. James, before we wrap up, any final thoughts you want to get in here before we uh, tie a bow on this one and prepare for the big boy on Tuesday? 
just like I said, ready to see what uh, Kyle Davidson has to say about the future of the team, about the interview process, and once again, sending it out to the universe. I would love to hear from Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner and kind of get their take on how this whole thing uh, kind of unfolded. And by the way, like three weeks away from the trade deadline, thank God they got it done. Yeah, how about that whole thing? Yeah, the the over came in. I think we said the 21st is kind of our our drop dead date and they're seven days later than that. So, and they hired a guy in house and I'm sure they'll be asked about that too. Yep. Hey, as long as it works out, I'm happy. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. We will talk to you on Tuesday on a brand new full length episode of the Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast. And you're going to want to catch this one because there is some news about the show. Uh, that's very exciting. So don't miss Tuesday's show. It's going to be a big one on the Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sits In Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co host of the sports podcast Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.